Hello and welcome to the Ghibli Rewatch series of the Overly Animated Podcast, where we'll be going through every Studio Ghibli movie chronologically from the beginning. Uh, I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Michelle Ander. Hello. And Maddie Potter. Hello. It's the Ghibli Rewatch series. Join us in rewatching or watching for the first time all the Studio Ghibli movies now that they're available for streaming for the first time on HBO Max in the United States and Netflix and most of the rest of the world. There'll be new podcasts every Wednesday as we go through the whole Ghibli catalog chronologically. Find all of our contact information and everything about us at OverlyAnimated.com. I'm a Ghibli expert. We'll be joined by a host with a variety of Ghibli experience. And today is The Cat Returns. Uh, Full spoilers for... The Cat Returns, and only vague spoilers for the rest of the Ghibli movies. We'll be discussing both the sub and the dub, probably for this one especially, both the sub and the dub. So whichever (laughs) you've seen is fine for The Cat Returns. Okay, Uh, here we are, The Cat Returns. It is 2002. We're coming off of our uh, two and a half hour Spirited Away podcast. I don't think this one will be that long, uh, but we'll we'll see. Uh, We have... um, the, the, we have a Whisper of the Heart uh, kind of spinoff movie. I'd like to think of this as more of a reimagining of a small part of Whisper of the Heart, and we'll talk about that. Hmm. Um, you know, not a traditional spinoff at the very least. And uh, this, this movie is directed by Hiroyuki Morita. Um, you know, we got our one of one of our very few non Miyazaki and Takata directed movies, which will increase in this kind of later Ghibli period. Um, credited for the screenplay is Reiko Yoshida. Um, so I was wrong before and I said there are no other female credited uh, writers or directors. She um, is an experienced anime writer who wrote on Kyoto Animation projects like uh, K-On! and uh, oh. a, a bunch of other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty excited to see that. Um, this this movie has a weird history. It started as a 20-minute short film for a theme park. That <laughs> Whoa. What? Miyazaki wow. came up. Miyazaki came up with the idea for this, and then uh, this isn't. There's there's been a few stories like this. They originally created a short film that got expanded into a feature, but this one they're going to make the short film. Then they, it got turned into a spin-off manga. So based on Miyazaki's concept, so Whisper the Heart started as a manga, went into the movie. Now Miyazaki had an idea for a weird short film, and then the original manga author Ao Hiragi. Uh, she turned it back into a spin-off manga from Miyazaki's idea based on the movie based on her manga. And uh, <laughs> and then it was subsequently turned into a full film based on that manga by Morita and Yoshida. <laughs> Wild! Okay. What a journey! Yeah, so there you go. That's how we've arrived at the epic whisper, the, the Cat Returns. Uh, this, this movie Amazing. of all needed that long legacy. Uh, no, but this was uh, this was a success. You know, we're coming off of Spirited Away being the uh, most successful uh, domestic film in Japanese history. So uh, this uh, this is also was the highest earning domestic film at, in 2002 at the Japanese box office. Okay, all right. All that being said, the Cat Returns. Uh, let's go to Michelle. What's your history with this movie? What do you think of this movie? Uh, so I probably watched this when I was like 16-ish for the first time. I think it was like soon after I watched Whisper of the Heart because I just like, I had enjoyed that movie so much. And when I read the description of this, being like, oh yeah, it's like a spinoff sort of. I was like, and there's like cat in the title, like sign me up. And I watched it, and it was definitely, like, I didn't know what I expected, but it wasn't what I expected. But, like, I I had a place in my heart for it. I do think upon rewatch, like, 
I'm a little older than the age where this like appealed to me most. <laughs> um, I feel like at this point I look back at it and I feel like it's like the most Ghibli version of a YA fantasy novel that there's ever going to be. Uh, it's just like light and fluffy and like weird and fun. And there's not like, like there's a message, but it's not like full of nuance. And that's okay. Cause sometimes you just don't want that. And this movie has so many cats. Like I can't, I can't it's believe like, it lived up to you. the name. So many cats. Like when they kept showing up, like on the street, I was like, oh my God, there's like more than 12 cats here. Like, how can it get any better? <laughs> it kept getting better. Definitely more than 12 cats, yeah. There's so there's many cats. Like the the image of the the little dirty white kitten, like, is forever etched in my brain because I feel like they must have rotoscoped a real cat. Or something, because, like, that's the most cute but realistic-looking cat I've ever seen. And somebody very lovingly drew that for sure. This should not be an opening thought, but, like, this is what happens when you <laughs> ask me. I, I mean, I do really like this movie. I I kind of, like, I, like, insisted that I, like, rewatch it with the dub just because, like, I, I can never get over Tim Curry as the Cat King. I think it's, like, literally one of the most iconic things I've ever heard in a Ghibli movie. And I, I won't give it up. And I didn't give it up this time. And I'm really glad for Maddie that she got to experience that firsthand today. Okay. That's, okay, it's the Cat King, which is the, the appeal. Interesting. The rotoscope is interesting. Ghibli a lot of times does, like, photorealistic drawings based off, uh, like, f- photographs they take. So I, I don't think they, like, literally... I don't think they, like, literally rotoscope it, but it's not pro- that's a good call in that not being too far off from uh, a lot of their, their like, backgrounds and stuff. Um, okay, Maddie, uh, just having seen The Cat Returns, what are your thoughts on it? I got completely derailed from my thoughts still because you mentioned who did the, the oh, script no. for the show and now i'm on her wikipedia page and i'm realizing how many things she's, she's written done a lot that of I've cool seen. things yeah so many things that i've seen it's completely off topic and it's not a starting thought but that's where i am right now but this movie is absurd <laughs> and i'm still not sure what it was even about I I mean, there's the <laughs> like moral the science... and then there's the movie. It's two different things sometimes. It's it's about cats. And that's I mean... fine. <laughs> it's so. <laughs> I I also should say I have not seen a whisper of the heart and did not know this was a spinoff movie, Dylan. It it really doesn't matter. It, 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 I, it, it works fine as a standalone, I think. Oh, it did because it. I had no idea what was happening, and I think that's the mood <laughs> they wanted to set. <laughs> Yeah, there's no literal connection to Whisper of the Heart, so you're not, like, missing any uh, yeah, details. I, I could, yeah. yeah, I really... <laughs> I was shocked by how funny this movie was, like, legitimately yes. funny. It just had really good comedic timing, even in the dub. Like, the dub just had such good, like... Like, the voice... They really did some good voice direction on the dubbing, and it was just... I don't know. This movie I enjoyed a lot, and I am happy that I saw it. Yay! That's good. Oh Yay! God. That's well done. <laughs> what did you think, Dylan? Uh, okay, so yeah, I mean, this was not one of the ones I connected with originally when I watched them the whole way through. There's a lot. There's a bunch of them which I haven't, but some I've revisited and really liked. Um, and I think it just I was you know I watched all the Miyazaki ones and then you go to these non Miyazaki ones and it's like wow these have a lot less depth to them and that was a little bit of a turn off to me. Um, <laughs> 
So rewatching now, I mean, I still have a little bit of that reaction because we're coming off of like 10 epics in a row, but uh, this is a fun movie. I, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I definitely watched the dub the first time, but I don't remember much from it. Um, but uh, this time I did, I did watch the sub and because uh, I'm trying to watch all the subs here. Uh, no, I, th- I thought, I think this movie's fun. I, I like what it is. I think my reaction is similar to Ocean Waves that we talked about. Um, like, I, I appreciate this as just a fun fantasy movie. I appreciate that it's not very long. Uh, I think that's a big talking point is that uh, it's, it's, it's got the perfect runtime here. Um, it's, I mean, like, Whisper the Heart's my favorite movie, and I don't, like, uh, necessarily, I think that was another aspect of this being a turnoff. It's like, why did, is this how we spun off Whisper of the Heart? This has nothing to do with Whisper of the Heart. So that's a little bit of a tough thing to get around. But once you accept that, it's like, okay, it's its own thing. It has a little bit of a relationship to it. I tried to note down all the, the, the connections so we can have some fun going over all the different things. Um, but, uh, I, I think it's fun. I do think this is a step down from basically every single movie we've talked about up to this point, except for like ocean waves. I think it's a, I think it is better than ocean waves, but I think it's uh, a similar, uh, we're, we're going to get, a, it's not to, to pick on this movie. I think we're going to get a bunch of these coming up now. We've just entered a new era of Ghibli where there's a lot less kind of depth to these movies, but Quite this one good. I think is trying, is not trying to have a lot of depth, which is a benefit. Yes, Michelle. That is a benefit. Yeah. So, do you think this movie is, like, at least as good as Pompoko? Like, I understand, like, on a level, Pompoko wants to talk about, you know, like, the seriousness of urbanization. Yeah, we don't, and yeah, we don't need to turn this into a uh, Pompoko diamond. I, I, do we listen, need to talk about Pompoko? If you listen to the Pompoko podcast, I really connected with Pompoko, and I do think that oh, is considered really? that is considered oh, okay. to be a uh, up there with Takahata's works. Although, you know, it's controversial, it doesn't translate well into... So, I mean, I, yeah, Pompoko and Yamadas are, like, these, like, really uh, obscure kind of Takahata films, but I, I, I see those films as having a lot more depth than a movie like this. And also the it's, animation... It's, those are like marvels of animation, those two movies. And this movie, I do think, is also a step down in the visual department. But again, it's kind of trying, it's like playing into yeah. that. So I think it's like playing yeah. to its strengths the, the whole time, yeah. which is a good thing. Um, yeah, see. so, okay, so it's, it's. I think we have some some fun things to talk about with, with Cat Returns. Michelle, like this is, this being one of your favorite movies, <laughs> what, what's... Well, what? <laughs> I mean, top 15 for sure. Top 15 overall <laughs> or... <laughs> Top top ten Ghibli or top ten overall movies? Oh no, Ghibli. No. Okay, okay. I retract one of your favorite. Uh, a movie you were excited to talk about. What, yes, what, what's yes. what like stands out in your memory, like on Cat Returns, and what stood out like watching watching it back? It's just so fun. Like I just remember when I was watching it for the first time. I just like, and I'm sure Maddie had a similar experience. You just don't know where this plot is going. Like this movie does not adhere to normal expectations of like. I mean, there's a three-act structure, but that's literally the only recognizable thing about it. It's like, cat kingdom, what does that mean? We're all these cat gifts. Like, are we going to high school? No, we're going to a different world now. Oh, she's a cat person. Like, oh, no, she's crushing on the bear. That's kind of weird, but let's go for it. Like, it, t- it pulls you in all these directions that are just, like, really hard to expect and anticipate, which is part of the fun because I feel like, I, Haru for most of this movie, like she doesn't know what's going on here with you. You just gotta figure it out by like a little bit towards the end. And it's fine. I think like for me personally, this movie, like 
it exudes the essence of the labyrinth, like, in so many ways. I do think the labyrinth is probably slightly stronger of a movie and more iconic, but it's the same kind of, like, you're a teenage girl of a certain age, you don't think you're, like, cute enough or cool enough, and you don't know what you're going to do with your life, and everything just kind of sucks, even though objectively you're middle class and not a lot's wrong. And you just need that one fantastical adventure where you are the one who gets to, like, make decisions and be, like, the cool person. And people tell you you're cute once in a while for your self-esteem. And then you can figure out your life a little bit and you have it together and be more confident in your real world experience. Like, that's very much what this movie is. And it's very much the heart of the labyrinth appeal for many a teenager. And I feel like they captured that really well. And, like... It's kind of nice to see, especially if you're of a certain age or like just in a certain life place, you know? Yeah, we talk. It's interesting. We talked on the Spirited Away podcast briefly about how that movie probably starts its creation as a movie targeted at young girls, specifically as kind of this young girl sweeping fantasy. And this movie may be a little bit uh, like t- teenage girls. Uh, Teen so, girl. so it's yeah. got kind of a similar vibe to it in being like a fantasy for girls growing up. Yeah, it, even in just, like, the comparison, and I know this is, like, maybe going to come out a little out of left field, but, like, if if the Baron's, like, kind of the main, like, pseudo-love interest, but not really, that's kind of, like, the same thing as King Jareth, because the reason King Jareth works is because he's, like, he's, like, too old to really ever be your boyfriend when you're 16, you know? Like, he's hot, you love how mysterious he is, you love his outfit, but, like, he it's safe to crush on him because you know it could never really actually happen and there's a security to that (laughs) no for real though and i feel like the baron's the same way like he's a cat like it doesn't matter how smooth he is or her nice how nice his (laughs) british accent is in the dub like he's a cat he's never really gonna be your boyfriend so it's like find a crush on him because it's like a completely safe sort of fantasy for you to have in your mind you know um, and I like I love that they were able to capture that kind of energy because it is so it's so true of a certain age like you want to like someone but you're scared of like what would happen if it was really like a possibility right so like you latch onto something that's a little too out there to really ever happen for you but that feels like comforting in a way that you can just throw yourself into that like daydream you know yeah I think I think maybe similar to uh, Haku and in, in Spirited Away like, oh yeah you know, weird, weird otherworldly like, type of love interest yeah <laughs> I just want to say, it really sounds like you, Michelle, are trying to defend your own crush no, on the cat. No, I, no, he's a kid. No. You were not, you were, you personally were not crushing on the Baron growing up. No, I crushed on Jared because of his tights mostly, okay. which like, who didn't? Yeah, it's an, but... it's, it's a, like a comparison that's not going to land with that, but there is a maze in this movie. Um, I'll say that. There so. is a maze. <laughs> and it's a fun sequence. It's By the way, that was the, for some reason, that's the one thing I remembered most distinctly from when I was like 14 watching this movie is the oh, maze. Really? I don't know why. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. yeah okay. But, yeah. Maddie, what about you? What's the, what's the one thing that's uh, leaping out at you from, <laughs> from what you experienced here? I... How have we Where not did she begin? I like there's so much to talk about. I'm not sure where to start. Like I'm still kind of blown away that every single ever every five minutes, something I don't expect happens. And it completely yeah. overturns what I was watching five minutes prior. <laughs> like five minutes prior. I thought there might be one talking cat, and now there's a whole brigade of them. <laughs> brigade. And then all of a sudden, five minutes later, they're giving her, like, lacrosse sticks and cattails, and then five- it's just like it keeps happening. I just don't know what to expect at 
any moment in this movie, and I like that. I'm also shocked that they keep this mood of her being of Haru just having no control over anything that's happening, but it doesn't feel like she's fully like doesn't have agency in this. Right. Movie. Yeah. It feels like she's just out like way it over her head, mm-hmm. and I adore it, and I adore her reactions to it. Yeah. But wow. I, <laughs> so, w- <laughs> I think I need a little more direction, Dylan, on what what, what you want. No, from that you. was good. I was gonna I was that gonna was say good. a similar thing. Is that uh, de- but well, based on what you two have said, like uh, I was definitely struck watching this how how quickly we move on from elements that we introduce here yeah. to the next kind of weird <laughs> fantasy element. Yeah. Um, it's not a nice way to put it. It's And you look back on it, it's like, okay, really none of these fantasy concepts that we talked about, basically with almost no exceptions, maybe one or two, have almost any depth to them. But <laughs> but the movie just moves right along, so it doesn't matter, yeah. right? Like it goes exactly. to the next fun thing. Yeah, That's, that's so, so true. Weird. And I, I kind of love that approach. You don't normally see, like, normally movies that you're like, oh, this had no depth. It's like, oh, we spent way too long on this thing and I didn't care about it. But no, there's definitely nothing we spent way too long on here. Ever. <laughs> um, what's, I don't know, what's what's the best uh, fantasy element? I think just, like, all the cats, right? I think that stands yes. out as, like, um, the, the cat world. Um, I, I was struck, like, I remember this as, like, the Cat World movie, but we spent a long time before we go to the Cat World. Like, this is only, like, half the movie. I mean, maybe, like, three-fifths of the movie is, like, in the Cat World. Um, I also was, like, there's a cat business office, and yes. that is a completely distinct concept from the Cat Kingdom. Uh, yeah. that's, that's something that stands out to me, is, like, why are there talking cats in two different things? I, does Does he get regular business? Yeah, I think so, because, like, the wife <laughs> can't even knew about the Bureau. She's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of you guys. Like, she knows about it. Not clear how Yuki knew about the cat well, yeah. office. What does he usually do for people? They make them tea and solve their problems, I guess. Does he just solve any... What was his payment? Why does he do this? He has to get paid. He likes to show off and make people blush, I guess. Because, like, remember, Muta's like, ha, like, quit showing off with your light show. I think he just gets a kick out of, like, surprising people. I mean, I get that. I just—I mean, maybe people just give him money because he looks so cool. But did, maybe but is he is. getting money? Is there money in this cat world? I'm still not sure. There must be currency. The, ba- the Baron. I mean, the Baron's not in the cat world, though. So you know, like, what? What is his domain? He's yeah. in this, this weird uh, plaza. It is, I, I think it definitely—they're definitely presenting it as a different domain than the cat. It's world. A- are but it's a different cat domain because all the buildings are cat size. So oh, but, it, but she didn't get small, so she's not in the cat world. Right, she's not small, and then she goes to the cat world. Then what does that mean? Is it half I don't know, this is the type. Of, look, like I'll a say, limbo cat place where you're half and half. Like so they, they, I mean, we're going to come back to this, but they present the cat business office domain as which it might that might have been called something else in the dub. I'm not sure. Um, as uh, the it, it's like when creations come to life there. So that's kind of the concept of that. That's one of the themes of the movie. Beginning of the cat world. Then. So it's, it's kind of like a more of an entity of the real. I think it's more of supposed to be Earth and then the cat world's like another dimension. But this is the type of thing we're going to run into when we try to talk about the mythology. <laughs> we don't really know. There's no answer here there's uh, no answers only questions yeah i'm gonna I, let, let me let me br- start bringing quotes as the, the uh, some overall assessments of the movie here we have uh colin odell and michelle leblanc from their book studio ghibli the films of hayao miyazaki nisa takada they say the cat returns is a frequently hilarious and inventive fantasy a light and frothy film that never threatens to outgrow its running time of less than 80 <laughs> minutes uh, 
<laughs> However, it lacks much of the subtlety and thematic weight underpinning Ghibli's more lauded productions. Despite its flights of fancy, the film nevertheless has a strong sense of coherence because of how the characters interact with each other, particularly in the way Haru saves not only Loon, but also Loon's true love, Yuki. Uh, to me, I will say there's one moment where I'm actually like, this is like a really strong narrative. Like this felt like really cathartic and strong. And that is when it's revealed that the cat you see in the flashback, the white cat is uh, Yuki and that she saved both of them. I think that's like kind of like this, the strongest, um, scene and moment of the movie. Aww. You guys agree? I mean, yeah, I agree. Uh, Yeah. Yuki is. Her scenes are very cute. I did I did go aww when I found out about her at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's like a kind of a complex move, I think, is like threading that throughout yeah. the movie. And it like really stands out because there's the, you know, we're kind of just simply moving on from mythology elements other than that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, what, well, what about you, Kim Michelle? No, I was just, I just also think it's funny that she was like the disembodied voice. Like, Haru, go to the cat bureau, Haru. I love it. Go to the cat bureau. Like, knowing that that was her, like. I know. She's got range. She had such a good energy to her, and I love it. I also adore Haru in that flashback scene. She's just so cute talking to the cat. I know. Okay, so here's here's another mythology element that we just don't really... Haru, as a child, seems to be actually able to talk to cats. Yes. I, I thought like, she was just... The, the cat never responded to her. She was just talking at it. But she said she... Because the mom said she... Because she kind of brought up the flashback when she's like, remember you told me you used to be able to talk to cats when it you were a kid? It was at least posited to it, us like yeah. that. Like that yeah. might have been a real I think thing. Kids maybe. just say things. <laughs> she might be able to. She maybe knew that the cat was hungry cat. and it was, yeah. yeah. She, she, I mean, she could tell it's the after for food. Dylan, have you ever owned a cat? Because I think you could very easily tell when a cat is hungry. They will let you know. Maddie, in a world of the cat kingdom, is this the most hard yeah. to believe aspect of other humans that can't do this for some reason? That's because they don't care about cats as much. Like, I will never forgive her super hot friend for saying stupid cat. Whoa, I was like, whoa, 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 get to back up. Michelle, that girl's so hot. How she not like cats? It broke my heart watching it but like that girl's never her, gonna learn her to talk one to her one real life friends that in the movie yeah um, one yeah so this is hiromi is she oh. Kristen bell in the dub yes yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah. her, her oh, japanese voice and tam carries the cat king i'm just so excited when we finally talk this, act- this list of actors is wild it- 2002 was an interesting time for voice acting and celebrities. This would be young. It was uh, back when they really were trying to get just big names more than actually getting voice actors. Mm, They still do that. They still still do that. They they, they still do that, but I think think we're getting off that train a tiny bit. Like a little tiny bit. I think Pixar is not off that train, but other places so some, are. Some places, I don't maybe, think yeah. DreamWorks is off that train either. Uh, K- Carrie Ells re- reprises the Baron from Whisper of the Heart in the dub. Um, I didn't get it the first time. What, what Michelle, what's, so tell me about Tim Curry as the Cat King. What, what's so oh, amazing? Where I begin? So the best thing is, like, so when I watched it this time, we had the Japanese subs on, but the... English sub playing so we could discern the difference and just let me explain this so basically all Tim Curry did with his dialogue is like he he said it normally they the way they had it in the Japanese 
version. But then he just add babe to the end of everyone. <laughs> Oh, you're the cat king and the dialogue would be in japanese that's me and he'd be like that's me babe and that's like literally what he did the whole time he just says it's babe a lot like, this is what tim curry did like he was like oh i know how to make this cat seem like way sexier he's just gonna say babe at the end so of you, all you think this sentences. was a choice by tim curry not by the I, voice tra- the translators i absolutely know <laughs> it is so insane i i don't know which one it is i really it's don't like, Tim Curry's so good. It's like Tim Curry sometimes gives me like Jack Nicholson energy where it's like he can play someone really deranged and you super buy it. And the fact that they drew this cat king with his eyes like bulging out in different yeah. directions and with this huge like cat smile the whole time, he just looks like he's out of his mind. And so the Curry voice coming in on top of that is literally like peak. It's so good. Like it's so strange. But like that's like honestly like what I always remember about this movie. It's like remember that i remember like the falling scene at the end i remember how cute the cat was when it was dirty and a kitten and i remember tim curry's voice because it's so silly yeah he definitely the cat king does definitely not say babe in japanese um, <laughs> oh my god so that's a that's, i, I kind of want to instantly worse instantly a worse version of he is off kilter in two like it's definitely like in theme i think with what he is i was i really like hiromi's japanese voice i'd listen for that the friends um but yeah there's a solid uh all, all, all of the cast um in 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 japanese uh the, the i don't know what i was uh oh we uh judy greer as yuki that's interesting um oh. but yeah it's a, a stacked stacked cast for this <laughs> for the cat returns i do think this is like a pretty popular uh ghibli movie in the u.s at least among maybe a certain age group like this is maybe the most uh the one you'll hear about the most of the non-miyazaki ones i, th- I would say I like just talking wow. to people um that's my impression uh like i don't know it, it makes sense to me it's kind of like a simple fantasy movie that would connect with a lot mm-hmm. of kids um but uh yeah so that's cool that it got like a major a major dub i want to talk about the uh the relationship to whisper the heart because that's if i want to bring up baron and muta i think we have to talk i'm ready to get very confused yeah oh okay i mean yeah we can we can go through it it's fine there's not like a lot of depth to talk about (laughs) so if you've not seen so the baron whisper the heart is a completely slice of life movie there are like two fantasy sequences featuring the baron who is a cat statue in the movie who uh, the main character of Whisper the Heart like brings to life in her fantasy book. Um, so in this movie, we kind of get Baron starting as a statue, and then he comes to life. But actually, he's just a person that comes to life in the real world in this movie. Uh, it's definitely supposed to be the same Baron, but it does not connect with the logic of of Whisper of the Heart. <laughs> Uh, we have like Mood- fanfic. What you're saying is this is a fanfic? Yes, this, this is basically a fanfic this, of Whisper. Yeah, the, yeah. The, okay. The, the description of this is that like the main girl from Whisper of the Heart, like she's all about like writing stories. It's like she wants to be a writer. That's kind of the big plot of it, that she's movie. Still, right? Mm, but, but the thing, so there, she she writes a book based she on this figure that she knows. About, but but this yeah. is not the book that she writes. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, I thought this is the book that she writes. I thought this was her fan fiction. I you can, I mean, look, you can one. interpret it, but it does not exactly match up to the fantasy scenes of that's this. Great. You, I would say that's the most direct interpretation. Is this is an expansion of the fantasy sequences? But fantasy sequences of Whispered are the most no, gorgeous things you've ever. And this movie is not of the same style as that. I um, figured it out, Dylan. I figured it out. Her book got published that someone else wrote a fanfic of that book. Oh that my god, published. I hate this. It, it's, it, this is like the, the next book in the series, yeah. but they gave it to a different author. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. like that is. Written. 
That's what or is like ghost. Yeah, that's kind of what yeah. it feels like. Well, the thing is, Muta here is here. Muta is not a character in her book in Whisper of the Heart. Muta she is an act. She could have written it him in off screen, but Muta is a, is a real cat in Whisper yeah. of the oh my Heart. God. And so now we see him come to life in this movie. <laughs> Muta is the stars most of the time in this movie. You're right, though. Like, as much <laughs> as I remember Tim Curry, Muta, like, especially the, like, the energy of this, like, grisly man who voices him in the dub is just so perfect for, like, this chaotic Muta character. Yeah, I, 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 I would say he's also grisly in the Japanese as well. Oh, good. Good. Because like, he is aggressively, like, chaotic good, and yes. I adore it. That's a good explanation of Muta, yeah. Uh, he's, he's, like, stuff. there's that moment where he's inside the picture, and I oh, God. can't... And, and <laughs> I legitimately thinks he's dead. Yes! And I, as the viewer, was like... I can't Isn't it kind of horrifying? But I, not, I don't disbelieve movie. that. He's in the catnip jelly, and he's, like, uh, briefly oh, dead, and then it's like, oh, no, he's just stuck in there. And he, like, wakes up out of a coma. Yeah. And, like, Hart is crying over his body, and everyone's just playing it straight like he is dead, so you have no reason to believe he's not actually dead in there, and it's a lesson about eating too much jelly or something. Yeah, I don't know. Is there yeah. any lesson in this? I didn't really interpret. <laughs> we have some lessons. I don't know if that was a lesson, but, that's you know. That's not but that's what you think in the moment. Not, again, no, don't be gluttonous. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. reasonable. Uh, yeah. th- so this is not, like, when I watch Wish for the Heart, I'm not imagining Muta speaking in this voice, so I- it's a little disturbing. That's why so like about halfway through you just like let it be what it is and Muta becomes his own random character outside of reality. And it's so good. But yeah, I agree at first it's like why does he sound so raspy and haggard and just like like a car salesman who's 55 years old. Oh my god. Describing him as a car salesman is so perfect. <laughs> he's like a bad a bad car car salesman. Um, he's like he's the car salesman who like fights at customers instead of trying to like oh be nice god, to get them to buy cars. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah. He's not like a smooth talking one. Yeah. yeah, he's not smooth talker at all. He's that grizzly like like you go like that there's the downtrodden hero going to the store trying to get like food when they have nothing. And he's just like, No, go away. He can't have it. Get out of here, kid. No, I don't like your face. That's enough. You can't you can't buy this. Yeah, so the, the, I had the same reaction, though, about Muta. It's like, I was like, really like, uh, oh, this is not my Muta from Whisper. And then it's like, he settles in. It's like, okay, this is what I, he's his own thing. So that's fine. Yeah, that's in general with the movie. I think it comes, it's, you need a little, if you're a big Whisper fan, you watch this. It's like, you need a little bit. But once it's, I think it settles in. Um, the other, the other thing, so those are the two characters that repeat, but, um, the, uh, I, I, to me, the biggest thing that I noticed this time is there's musical cues that repeat, uh, themes, like not like direct yeah. tracks, but there are themes interwoven from Whisper of the Heart oh. as this movie is the same oh. composer, Yuji Nomi, as Whisper of the Heart does. And he, uh, puts uh, the, the one, the one I noticed the most is the chase, um, when she's being abducted into the cat world and they're like chasing after her. I, I was looking on the Spotify, uh, OST kidnapped to be the prince's bride right at the end of the song. There's just the, the, one of the iconic Whisper the Heart songs that plays right at the end of the movie. So I think that I, was an interesting inclusion. I could there. tell it was something cause it sounded like really different. Yeah. I, I could pinpoint what you're talking about. I think. Yeah, it's it, it, it's completely it's different from the rest of that track. Is it like right before the credits start or during the credits? Um, no, this is like right before they go through the portal to the catwalk. There oh, might be others oh, as well. Yeah. Oh, I, I, know these, I noticed. No, 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 two no, no, I know exactly ones. what you're talking about, mm. Dylan. It's such and, a wild part of the soundtrack that it's just wildly different. 
Yeah, and I think they're trying to invoke. Uh, it's interesting. He's trying. It's mostly new, but I think he is trying to invoke a lot of uh, things the audience built up from that previous movie. Um, and then uh, when the Baron like leaves, and she's like, "I have a big crush on you," and then he like, yeah. Leaves. I think there's a lot of uh, similarities to so some whisper themes into there as well. Uh, in, uh, potentially, uh, I will say the ending song. I don't remember exactly what I was thinking when I wrote this down, but I, uh, the ending song, which is incredible, "Kaze Ninaru" by. Ayano Suji. I, 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 f- I felt this had some musical uh, similarities to some Whisper the Heart tracks as well into the ending. Um, so that's possible. But yeah, th- I think the music is maybe the most direct kind of parallel to the movie because the plot is not an exact parallel. There are characters, but they're kind of different versions. The music actually continues some themes from the movie, which I think is interesting. Um, the, at one point, I think probably the Baron says they're riding the wind. Um, I think that's a direct line from uh, her fantasy sequences in. Oh Whisper yeah, well, yeah. Baron says like you have to like ride the wind. Yeah. So they do that, and they like uh, when they're getting kidnapped again. That sequence is uh, the begin that like ten minutes because also right before that there's a scene of Haru following Muta through the city, which directly invokes the iconic scene of uh, Shizuku following Muta, who's actually a cat in that movie, through uh, this neighborhood in in Japan. Um, it's not like, again, it's not the same thing at all, but it's just like the main girl, similar age Japanese girls following the same cat through mm-hmm. a different part of the city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think like there's a lot of like things that you're like, oh yeah. Um, but, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I think it makes it fun, but it's, it's clearly its own distinct entity. And I think never tries to too much be a, a direct sequel to Whisper of the Heart or anything. Um, cause with this movie's strengths are not at all whisper the heart strengths. So like, I think it, it should be its own thing. Um, oh yeah. That, in terms of Muta, we have the reveal that his name is, uh, Rinaldi's the, the famed, <laughs> oh cri- in a, in a movie filled with random things that happen. This is the, the most random and the stupidest is the Rinaldi. His name is real name is Ronaldo moon. He is a famed criminal. Um, I love it. Muta also goes by Moon in Whisper of the yes. Heart is one of the so that's a connection there. But uh, this this has no follow up. This has no precedent. He's only a criminal for stealing people's food, though. Like what an amazing <laughs> uh, like robbery what history! What an icon! Just like <laughs> eating all the food he wants and getting away with it till the point where he's like infamous. Everyone knows who he is. That's amazing. Like Michelle. he's an eye. He's really an eye. He's living his best life. Like, if <laughs> oh, we he's, oh, yes, he's he's so lucky his best life. Michelle, you're a noted uh, appreciator of chunk cats, and oh, Muta, God, yes. Muta, Muta is a, one of the famed chunk cats from Whisper. What do you think of this personification of him <laughs> here? I really, I know we already brought it up. But like, I really lost it. the jelly. He looks so. T- <laughs> His eyes are open and he's immobile. <laughs> and he's just like, Muda, no, you ate one thing too many. You're gonna die. This is the most tragic thing. I mean, I love it. I love that he's like that trope of like the gruff person who's just like kind of soft on the inside and like that he he, he he like gets respect for Haru when she tells off the cat king he's like yeah I like a girl with some spirit he's something like that he says yeah. and it's so good and he just like doesn't take anyone's crap and I love that he has this like ongoing like bickering feud with the crow 
It's like they both begrudgingly like each other, but they also just like use that to throw insults at each other because that's the only way they know how to communicate. It's fine. I love Muda though. He's so great. He's so completely himself. And for Haru, who like clearly is still trying to figure out who she is, like I feel like he could be a good role model. Muta is interesting. Muta is a role model for Haru. I like it. Uh, Muta is a role model, really. <laughs> not what I would have gone to on Muta, but it's a, he's kind of in that that yeah. Baron is in like kind of the love interest role, and Muta is in like the mentor role. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> he just like her not to take life so seriously and to just like trust in herself and like it's fine like you know he did everything wrong and he still got away with it so like she really doesn't need to worry is the lesson there he's, he's like the gruff bodyguard to like the younger girl yes. he's like the hounds yes. and aria type dynamic i feel oh like God. they maybe have She's um, the bodyguard. I wonder if too. anyone's compared that to the but oh uh, yeah the, <laughs> muta yeah muta i think stands out here um it's great i love him i love him so much i also yeah i just love how fat he is sorry (laughs) i mean his chunk is brought up many times at first i was really sexy i'm like why are we fat shaming muta like left and right (laughs) jesus christ but then like it got to a point where it's like maybe he just like doesn't like care anymore and it's fine it's supposed to be endearing yeah yeah, Naturo is like, uh, you were over the weight limit. He, he wasn't allowed yeah. in. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and when he tried to jump on them the first time, they moved around him, so he just fell on the ground. It's so oh, rude. God. It's Very so rude. mean. It's so <laughs> mean. They deserve that. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, there's refreshments in here. He just eats everything in, uh, in the room, and he then he gets stuck in the jelly. You know, if they wanted that food, they should have gotten there early like him. He, he, you know, his first come, first serve buffet style. He understood. Yeah, that means, I think so. Yeah, he got it. He got it. He went there and he got what he wanted. Again, it's a perfect role model for life. Just go after your dreams. If your dreams are food, you'll probably get it. And it's great. We, men- you, we mentioned Toto the Crow, who, considering he's in a scene with uh, Baron and Muta, you might think this is a character from Whispered, and it is not. Um, oh my so god. This is our gargoyle, Toto. Um, I don't know. This is uh, I, I didn't really understand why Toto's there in the cat business office, but uh, he plays a key role at the ends with the falling through the sky scene and the crow yeah. stairwell back to Earth, um, which I think is uh, really great. Uh, but yeah, the a big of fighting with Muta all the time. Yeah, so their whole dynamic. It's, I mean, I like it. I'm there for like the the older people who just don't know how to express how they feel, and it's just oh, I don't you know. think they're gay. No, I was about no. to ask that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just not good at communicating. I don't ship them. But I just, you know, they, they don't know how to talk to each other, so they just make insults, and that's, like, gotcha. entirely all their dialogue. I think it's great. Plus, it's, like, so cute, like, that moment when they're all in Baron's house, and they're all having tea, and just talking like friends, and Haru just gets to witness, like, this camaraderie and this life they have in this new place, and it's so comfy, and, like, of course she likes it there. They mean it so inviting, and all of them being there is, like, a part of what's inviting, too, for her. And it's just really good. It's really good, yeah. Uh, to, to, yeah, I think he's he's fun. He didn't he didn't come with uh, them into the the cat world and stuff. Um, so more, uh, uh, which I think is good for Muta's uh, health. 
um, that they're not fighting all the time. That's um, <laughs> blood sugar go up as soon you get a heart attack. How about, how about Haru, like, as a character? I think Haru, I think, is probably a surprisingly strong character given, uh, uh-huh. you know, this is this 80-minute light fantasy movie. Um, but uh, she, she's at least uh, reminiscent of a lot of strong Ghibli protagonists. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I think that... <laughs> I think that Haru is, like, I think that Haru's strength is more the movie around her. Like, the movie gives her the space to be a character when really there's no time for that. Yeah. But they somehow gave her a chance to, like, have some wants and wishes. And that's more than I needed from a movie like this. Yeah. I, I agree with that, that she she is given some space. Mostly this is the type of movie where the young protagonist is kind of whisked on on a journey um but you do get the impression she has agency in what's going on um i think there are some themes surrounding her which makes me want to get into the discussion of what themes if any are present in uh cat returns so what themes if any i like i like that description i mean yeah let's yeah so let me read let me bring up some themes and you guys can react to the possibility of um uh, of what uh, some Ghibli scholars interpret as themes of this movie. I think there's one obvious one. So this is again back to Odell and LeBlanc. They talk about uh, creativity as a theme of this movie. The Cat Returns concerns itself with two things, dimensions and creativity. Unlike mm-hmm. Whisper the Heart, however, the creative side is realized explicitly on the screen rather than the film being about the creative process itself. Um, these ideas are revealed in the various worlds that the film sketches out. Creativity comes from these different dimensions away from the constraints of the real, real world around us. Like infinite quantum universes, the realms of imagination mean that new worlds and possible worlds can be created. The Baron's residence is one such world. Haru faces the possibility of life in a soulless land if she gives in to apathy and joins the kingdom of the cats. As the Baron advises, you must learn to be yourself. Haru's struggle to be creative is seen in the ways in which she succumbs to the advantages of living in the kingdom of the cats, realizing early on that perhaps the life of a cat could be desirable, do nothing, eat lots, and sleep. Um, How does she not consider that? She did consider it for real. She, for she was a like, second. oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, before she said it, I'm like, you should really just stay here. This seems fine. Uh, that was my reaction. Uh, <laughs> but she, she gets there. Uh, I like this is an interesting interpretation that they posit that uh, the possibility of uh, life in a soulless land giving into apathy, which I feel like relates to a lot of Miyazaki and themes of you needing to do work to uh, find yourself. Um, maybe, uh, they posit that she is uh, needs to find the creative side of herself, and she's kind of exploring this through the different dimensions that she's visiting. Uh, and 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 the most direct application is the uh, as we talked about the 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 Baron is like a creative thing brought to life by uh, magic, I guess. Um, and that's definitely something brought up earlier in the movie. Um, let's let's get we can we can have a larger discussion. So this is also um, talked about in. The Anime Art of Hayao Miyazaki by Danny Cavallaro. Um, and she says, uh, there's some, uh, I want to get your reactions to the potential themes that she brings up in this movie. She oh, says, good. the Cat Returns is more lighthearted and playful than the average Ghibli production, though it undeniably contains uh, moments of danger and not altogether pleasant narrative surprises. Like other Ghibli films, it focuses on the theme of self-development, graphically mm-hmm, underscored mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. its schoolgirl protagonist's emotional and physical metamorphosis. 
depicted as a process beset by frequent disappointments and anxieties. At the same time, it offers dispassionate critique of a totalitarian regime underpinned by class and gender inequalities, military rule, and Orwellian strategies of surveillance. What? (laughs) Uh, Okay, hang on. So is that essentially saying, like... (laughs) It's saying a lot. Haru has to, like, figure out how to be a modern human being slash woman and not, like, fall into the trappings of, like, old society. Yeah, I think that's what she's saying. Little, yeah, I think that and also just, like, the, the Cat like Kingdom is uh, is an example of a uh, militaristic Orwellian uh, dystopian society. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like a pretty traditional castle with a normal military and normal cat magic. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I think it's striking how quickly we perceive this world as negative and the cat king as a negative figure. And well, it's it, Yuki like does not like it there and she tells Haru like not to be there like straight up, so we already have like a reason to fear it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they prime you for that. Yeah, but you're right, it's probably not too different from medieval societies that are portrayed. I just think the uh the bad elements of it are just very obvious and apparent. Um, and yeah, it's more for like um it's more satirized the idea yeah. of all of this. Like there's never a moment where I'm like, wow, this is so dark. I'm just like, wow, this is so stupid. I just thought about the marriage thing again, because again, like I don't want to keep bringing up Labyrinth, but like it's important here. So <laughs> you like, like David Bowie. That's all. That's no, no, all... no, 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 no. So when Sarah's in like the you guys have both seen Labyrinth, right? I have not. <laughs> no. Oh, of course not. not. That's what we're going to watch later. Okay, okay, okay Michelle. In Labyrinth, Dylan will understand this. So when she has that no. dress on. <laughs> I said I haven't watched it. You haven't watched it. You people need to watch this iconic movie. So, okay, essentially there's a moment in Labyrinth where Sarah, the main character, is wearing this, like, huge puffy dress. It's, like, the most ridiculous but, like, kind of exciting dress if you're, like, 16 years old. And David Bowie's there, and there's this this dream sequence, and he's dancing with her. And it just, like, gives the air of, like, oh, like, this could be their life together. And, like, it feels kind of, like, aristocratic and, like, kind of princessy. I feel like this, again, plays really well because, like, that's kind of mirrored with what Haru's doing when she puts on, like, her, like, princess outfit to get ready for the wedding. It's, like, when you're of a certain age, you do start to, like, think maybe more seriously about, like, oh, like, when I'm grown up, like, I'm going to have to get married and I have, like, these roles and these clothes and, like, this is how, like, life should be. But, like, you think about that, but it also causes you some anxiety because you're not, like, ready to commit to that. And I think it's interesting that Haru says in the movie, like, several times, like, you know, like, I don't think I'm ready for marriage. Like, not just the, like, like I can't marry Kat, but she's like, I don't, I'm not ready for, like, this life step right now. Like, there are aspects of this that are appealing, like, the dancing and being with, like, someone who's cute, but, like, I can't commit to this. And I think it's really interesting that, like, that crops up as often as it does, because I think that is, like, really tapping into, like, teen thoughts and feelings um, in a pretty interesting way. Oh, that's interesting. I, I definitely agree. And I also think, like, I think it's a lot more minor because it doesn't have a lot of time to stay on screen because it's, yeah. like, the really end of the movie. But I think there's also this part of the movie where it's talking about this idea. Like, it's not really talking about it, but it's implying this idea that, like, they shouldn't be, like, just... It, it, it's almost, like, this idea of, like, we shouldn't be happy that these two people broke up. Like, we shouldn't be happy about other people's misery. It's It's just this interesting lesson that I don't see often in a movie like this, especially a romance movie. 
essentially this is essentially a romance movie in a lot of ways. The at the end when she learns that the guy she wanted to date yeah. broke up with the, the, yeah. the girl, girl he was dating. Yeah, and I barely I, remember that. Yeah, and I and it's um I think that's a really good thing to show in a movie like this that you shouldn't be like really excited that this person is broken up because I yeah. promise that they're not all just like happy. That that was an example yeah. at the end of this is uh, to me the ending is like here's a sequence about how Haru has matured and that yeah, this is one of the absolutely. aspects of uh, her maturity and yeah I think this is not an aspect of maturity you often see in these types of teen movies where she is not like oh I need to go date the guy she's just like okay yeah the, uh, it will exemplify so much of like what YA YA with like teen girl protagonists essentially do because like a lot of times it's like it's supposed to be this really basic girl who's like somehow like very cute and everyone always talks about how cute she's even though she thinks she's so basic and not interesting and a lot of times that ends up there ends up usually being like a male of interest who is like really cool or like really smart or like really skilled and that's the appeal and there's this idea that like oh well she's not she doesn't think she's inherently interesting but if she's with this guy and he likes her that proves her worth to like everyone else and this is really nice because the message of this like she became so comfortable with herself she didn't need this crush to like tell her she's like cool you know like she just knows it like she's finally comfortable enough with herself and confident enough that like that's not what she needs she doesn't need a relationship to define herself anymore and it's like yes that's so good it's like such a real thing to talk to thank you for explaining what i was trying to say (laughs) yeah it's really good i've seen this a lot more maddie you just watched it once it's okay oh i forgot that you've watched this like a million times not a million times but at least like Four or five times, probably. Okay. That's a million. That's a lot of times. I really thought one time was enough for me, TVH. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I, think this, I think this is a rewatchable movie. Day. It's like short and fun. I feel every like, uh, like year, maybe rewatch. Yeah, that that's from me. If the mo- at most, most frequently. Um, but uh, the yeah, no, that's it, I, I, that, that's a good uh, analysis of the kind of ending Haru is matured sequence, which I thought was like very on the nose. However, I did like enjoy it. Like, it was definitely on the nose, but it's a it's a message that we don't get enough, and that's important. I, yeah, just I mean, love, the, like, more of the general theme of like this, oh, this yeah, character yeah, has emerged yeah. a new person. Yeah, like because uh, she's so she's so like apologetic and like down on herself at the beginning of the movie like oh i'm like late for school oh my mom's like on my butt like oh like i'm so clumsy like oh i hate my life and at the end she's just like it doesn't matter anymore she's just like her change in tone and just like the way she's looking at everything she has it's just like it's honestly like yes like i'm rooting for haru like i'm so proud of her that she's reached this clarity and even her mom is like shook that she like got up yeah the mom is so shook that was so amazing yeah yeah and i like i like the relationship with the mom uh probably not shocking but uh my favorite part of this movie is kind of just the 20 minutes uh slice of life introduction oh wow shocking Um, i mean it's a good one I, mean, I was I was impressed with chaos episode. It really is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> don't say that. I d- don't ruin this. I, I, I do think it like displays a lot of the splice of life strengths of Kaon and the display the yeah. displays of young female characters. But I mean, she's like written a lot of other stuff too, which I think oh, also yeah. displays that. But um, no, but just, I was I was impressed by how the movie, this short movie, did take its time with like establishing Haru, what she's going through. Um, leading up to the kind of thrusting her into a fantasy world where a lot of movies go very quickly into that. And I thought that it was, it was actually just like a pretty strong, like 
anime slice of life to start off with and then it's like expanded upon by some just like really fun fantasy stuff um i like i really like that approach and then like hammered home at the end with the the maturity sequence also kind of off topic but i really loved the uh the alarm clocks both Haru and her mom had. I, know, I noticed the alarm clock too. Yeah, they're both so cute. And her giant stuffed animal, whatever the heck. Yeah, her bed. I yes. I'm obsessed God. with it. I've always been obsessed with it. I don't know what animal it is, but I want it. It's huge. Oh, I, was, I just I was love... about to pause it and analyze it. Oh, yeah, that, that can be the thumbnail. I'm like kind of trolling, but I also just, not. <laughs> I just really can't get over though that there was literally a three beat about them waking up with the alarm clock, and they twisted around so that the third one was with the mom and it's just completely mirrored like she's just she's complaining about her daughter but she does the exact same things yeah that's that's a it, it's a pretty uh, interesting concept that they did that yeah i think there's some complexity to those slice of life parts too. i think i think it's just adorable i don't know I about love, the complexity i just know it's no, adorable. i love that they like gave her mom so much like she's a single mom she she's like in some kind of like design role i think because she like had all those patches of color yeah, she's working she's like, like all this design doesn't look good like they show her being frustrated she's like put all these patterns out over the floor so like Haru has to like carefully tiptoe around them like i don't know like for as little as we saw her i felt like i like understood who the mom was and she was yeah. someone i'd want to it's with honestly it, it was really interesting seeing the mom was like this really like she was like a single mom thing but they weren't like a down on their luck like no, single no, mom. No. Yeah. like it was like she was really good at her job it seemed like and she mm-hmm. had a really good job and i liked that a lot and she's yeah. like expecting Haru to like be a little more mature which is like i think not a terrible thing to expect from your teenage daughter i was looking to high school it didn't it yeah. didn't seem like a meet it seemed like hey haru just gonna give you a little nudge here you know you're gonna have to like grow yeah. up and, like you're gonna have to start growing up pretty soon yeah yeah, I, I, I do definitely like the mo- the mom sequences and the presentation of yeah, like a lot, not a lot of time spent on a lot of these characters, but it was impactful. That the time, yeah, you, you get a feel for all of them really quickly. Yeah, let me let me go through the rest of the quotes and we can see if topics. Yeah, quotes. Um, the Od- Odell and LeBlanc, uh, they say. Oh, oh. What quotes? What do you think I meant? Like we do it like Rick and Morty oh, podcast. So like many. what they let's go through all the gags in the characters. Yeah. <laughs> if you think of any, to bring them up after I had finished reading these uh, serious academic book quotes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, this kind of movie. Uh, Don LeBlanc, although the animation in the character turns is slightly more simplified than other Ghibli films, the design is exemplary with an abundance of fanciful ideas. Individual sequences are among Ghibli's most memorable and enjoyable, although as a whole, the film represents a minor work from the studio. Kind of the impression I get from these Ghibli scholars yeah. is this is more of a, a minor Ghibli film. Um, but but this is a lot of credit, I think, given to uh, individual sequences are among Ghibli's most memorable. Um, I think back to the... Uh, the Cavallero quote, she says, um, a serious message is also encapsulated by the sequences showing the heroine Haru as a small child performing ch- a charitable act towards a destitute kitten and later oh, her, her rescue from so a, <laughs> later her rescue from a thorny situation by the very same creature, Yuki, now grown into an adult. The sequences underscore the values of memory and gratitude in a poignantly simple vein and are in their own way as moving as some of the most memorable moments in Miyazaki's opus. So these are two uh, 
powerful statements about how, uh, at the very least, so I, this is what I was saying. Like, I think that's the best scene of the movie is like, uh, the connection between the flashback and, uh, the reveal. Um, like I would not say this is like as memorable as like, uh, great Miyazaki scenes, but like, I think that's, it's, uh, notable that these, uh, Ghibli scholars like, uh, hold certain scenes of this movie in very high regard. I, Um, I was surprised. I actually was kind of tearing up when I realized she was the cat. It was so cute. Even the flashback, it's just like, like I guess that person was saying, like it felt it was like simple but effective, right? Yeah. Like yeah. It, it was straightforward, but like you still felt it in your heart. And I feel like it's a trail because the flashback it's so like the music's playing and there's this little dirty kitty and she's just like, yeah. oh, "Are you hungry?" And the cat's like, "Meow meow," and she's like, "Oh, the treats," and the cat like. It, it it like legit smiles at her as it's meowing like while yeah. it's eating the fish crackers and it's just such a pure simple moment that we all wish we could have had as the little girl on the street and <laughs> it's just yeah it's it's very effective even if it's like super I, straightforward and I, I love it I remember it. it shows just how it, it's just very effective at showing what kind of person Haru is mm-hmm. while also being like kind of surprisingly a story moment as well it's just it's it's really good it's very good like economical storytelling economical storytelling. no i actually think that's a yeah. great description this movie is extremely economical um, yeah so i think that i think definitely think that's one of its strengths um getting we were talking about the animation a little bit in the earlier quotes uh back to Cavallero's quote on the the style of the movie as a whole the sequences that take place in the imaginary domain are not crafted with the kind of painterly splendor or contemplative beauty to be found in other Ghibli productions. However, this is not necessarily a shortcoming, could be in fact taken as a deliberate ploy. Marita's simpler approach to the, de- to the depiction of the film settings uh, being well-suited to the production's more comical mood. Indeed, several other world scenes, and especially the chase sequences through the maze and into the tower, are more reminiscent of the uh, crazy slapstick of Castle of Caligostro than any of any Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, I, I, interesting comparison to Cal- Cagliostro, which uh, I, I think the, the comedy base of this movie, I do think, um, is is reminiscent of, of Cagliostro, which is kind of like a more com- comedic movie as well. But also, like, the flashbacks kind of were a parallel too, right? Because, like, it, that was about, like, the young girl kind of saving Lupin yeah, and then him, yeah. like, doing her a solid when they grew up. And it's, like, kind of similar to Haru similar and the flashback Yuki. Device. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. I like it. I actually think this one's a little bit stronger than that one. Um, this yeah. flashback to this, <laughs> which is interesting. I mean, it's I think more that's central a, to the plot. Yeah, yeah. It kind of this movie's yeah. kind of based around that reveal, um, which uh, th- th- it's an interesting comparison. Um, in terms of the the animation, I do think we kind of have two different styles. We've been talking about how Takahata is uh, it, very much exploring merging animation styles in his uh, all of his movies, especially his later works uh, relative to this point. Um, this movie has a very normal kind of anime slice of lifestyle. It starts off with and it has a fantasy uh, style, which I think is slightly different, although also feels very anime. Um, so I yeah. did appreciate kind of the differences in styles, although, yeah, like relative to these other Ghibli movies, this this very it, much looks more like a normal anime. But I mean, I think it's saying it's simple is kind of mean because it's like the models are kind of simple in the cat world, but like they do some really interesting stuff with them through the movie and through the segments they have. And like there's still these fun scenes where like the cats do the classic like hair raised up stuff like that mm-hmm. Ghibli's famous for. And like especially with like. I, I just find, like, all the scenes where, like, um, some of the cats are getting mad and their hair raises up and it's just very cute. The whole 
section is just very adorable. Yeah, how about her turning into the cat? Because um, I think that's, I have that's interesting thought about that, too. but I don't know what to even like start with. I'm that. a little, I was a little scared of it. I'll just say, like I'll... when the whiskers happened, I was like, oh no, like girl, stop! I <laughs> thought that'd be your that'd be your, be your fantasy, it, like, Michelle. Is horrifying. It is presented dangerously, and I did want to uh, highlight the the dance sequence between the Baron, who she oh, yeah, that finds out really is the Baron, and him. That that, 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 that's what I'm putting as the screenshot, probably. Um, is the, the, oh, the dance? Oh, Dylan. Um, the, uh, the it's that's the ship, right, Michelle? She has a crush uh, on him, and this is when she, she, does, she, she, she when she falls for him. him. I'm shook about that. She's like, I have a crush, and you guys like, yeah. girl, are you telling this cat? You just yeah, what? Well, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Well, thank you can't marry a cat. You have a crush on a cat. Baron, I think I have a crush on you. And then he leaves and she never sees him again. Like, what? I like, uh... <laughs> like thanks for telling out me. Of system. She's like, just so you know. Like, you don't need to do anything about this, but just so you know. This is how I, I feel. I I thought this was like a presentation of like first I guess she liked the other guy before but like first like love in a certain way like actually like having serious feelings for someone and she was just more in awe of the experience of feeling it than really she was like interested in being with the Baron. I no, think. exactly. Like, it wasn't about the Baron. It was just like how cool he seemed in the moment and, she and was how understanding like what she likes in people so and likes in a person and she wasn't hmm. really going to act on it in any way even before he said no. Well, yeah, that's so now, why, like that's why he's the safe crush because he's like a cat, and it's not like she. Yeah, really I get what you're saying now. Like, it's the, he's, he's a very noble cat who would never want to be with her, you know. Like, uh, so she can say she has a crush on him without worrying that he'll yeah. actually say yes. Exactly, yeah. it's completely safe to have your fantasy because he's not going to do anything. He's the bear. Yeah. He's a statue. What is he going to do about that? Very, very abnormal situation compared to men in real life, right? Like, so this is, uh, you got this cat figure. The only good men are the cats. <laughs> that's what the movie's saying, Dylan. That's what, that's what Um, are there any? I think no. I think there's, I think, I think that's accurate. I think there's no non, <laughs> not very many men. human men in the movie, though. I don't know if there's any. Uh, Are, is there a single? There, I think the only man the cr- that has a crush, line yeah. is the crush, and it's for one second. And that's oh no, the the teacher has a line too. So there's two men that have voice lines. There's in this never movie. count. <laughs> you, you, all, all, all these cat men, though, they all get. Yeah, to, all the cat men besides the king are worth it. So now Haru's going to go back to her school and look around her and like, which which uh, people here exhibit the qualities of the Baron that I would <laughs> and be then, And then in. as she grows up, she'll realize I'm a furry. Oh, Maddie, you didn't need to say that. But we all were thinking it. No, uh, the... we all were thinking it, Dylan. <laughs> we all were. Well, somehow not, not to a... think if you say it. <laughs> Wait, why are you saying this with disdain? The movie says she says she has a crush on a cat. Yeah, it's kind of a literal <laughs> interpretation. And it's not like a cat that's like anthropomorphized, like she is, like halfway through the movie. It's just an actual cat. Uh, yeah, I mean he's walking like a human and stuff. But, but it's yeah, still he just is a cat body. He is it's definitely a, full a cat. cat body. Actually, yeah. if you look, his gloved hands are human hands, and that messed me up. Why oh God, I don't want to know this. <laughs> yes, he only has a cat head. Everything else is is human body. That's awful. And that's what we got. You sound like you're like saying that like that's just how it is, Maddie. You gotta get used to it. I'm trying to move past this. This is okay. How about Prince Prince Loon? Any thoughts on uh, the Prince? I think he he's a very charming cat prince. Yeah, I think it's just like I was of all the things in the movie, he was the least surprising, so he didn't really register for me. (laughs) 
You'd, you'd probably uh, expect him to be like this. Although, I compare, you know, compared to the Cat King, he's, like, very sympathetic. Yeah, no, no. But, I mean, like, that's why it's not, like... I just was more focused on literally everything else in the movie. Him and uh, Loon and Yuki, such an adorable cat couple. Yeah. yeah. I also think that... I also think that Haru has a crush on Yuki, because she says she's pretty, like, ten mm. times Don't that be most girls saying stuff like that? I guess we're all a little... <laughs> Not straight. Yeah, I think I think we're all like Haru <laughs> specifically though. It's just like you don't call a girl that pretty so many times, and just like she does say it like every time Yuki's there. Every yeah. time Yuki's on screen, she starts with "You're so pretty." Yeah, and it's just like, and then even after Yuki's off screen, she says she was so pretty. <laughs> it's like she says she has a crush she... on the Baron, but I think that's a lie. Definitely seems at least more interested in Yuki than the prince. Yeah, okay. No, in- no interest in the prince. Well, he's not yeah. even, like, there for most of the movie. At least Yuki, like, keeps showing up to help her. It's a like, good friend. But also, Yuki's more of a cat than the Baron is, and she keeps saying that she's pretty. It's like, she's just a cat. She's not so just you- a cat. She's a pretty cat, Maddie, okay? I mean, no, she's a pretty cat, but she's saying pretty in a way that isn't, like, for cats and pets. <laughs> it isn't for cats. Uh, okay, so we've determined a lot about Haru from this discussion and her preferences. Sorry, sorry. Um, cat, cat girls specifically? Is that the intersection of the two things we've determined about her? Listen, we're not going to talk, we, we cannot talk about cat girls here, Dylan. We can't talk about Catra more. Uh, I wasn't going to bring that up, please. We're going to say Catra, but there's a lot of, uh... Dylan, I had to bring it up just at least that, because I know Michelle... If I was that. about... When we were talking about the Baron, I was about to say, Baron's more of a, a actual cat than Catra. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, he doesn't even yeah. have a tail! He does not even have a tail, and he has human hands. <laughs> so well, really, he's a statue. Real. He's a statue really, he's brought a, to That's true. Really, he's a statue. <laughs> Um, Michelle, what else? Uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about from Cat Returns? Yes, I actually want to talk about the themes, and then so many things happened. Um, okay, you want to circle back to that discussion? Yes. So, one thing I found interesting um, reading the Japanese subtitles on top of the English dub translation is like the theme seemed honestly completely different depending on which you were paying attention to. Because in the Japanese subtitles, stuff the Baron would say to Haru was like, you don't belong here. Like, this isn't a place for you. Um, And I think Yuki even says that initially before they first enter the Cat Kingdom. She's like, this isn't a place for you. This is a place where, like, cats who, like, have lost themselves. Which kind of sounds like a cult, but I don't want to talk about that right now. So the, the dub translation is more like, don't lose yourself like remember who you are which seems like a lot more like individualistic um and i i I prefer a lot more but i wonder if the reason i preferred it was because it just aligned so much more with like western sensibilities of like being independent versus communal it just really struck me that the japanese translation was like it's not that like don't lose yourself it's just like you don't belong here like you belong somewhere else like find the place you belong which seems less about Haru as a person and more just about finding her true place in the world you know which I think is pretty interesting I want to talk about it yeah I think that is really interesting um yeah I I I agree with you that when they make changes like that it is for the purposes of more appealing sensibilities and themes to western culture um, yeah. would be their motivation um 
Yeah, I didn't know that about uh, that, that the dub presenting that part. Yeah, it is it is interesting in the in the Japanese version when um, there you, you don't you don't want to be here. It's kind yeah. of warning her is always kind of phrased like that. It's a yeah. Wonder what in the how much intent is behind uh, thematically behind that. Because like what we said about like Haru's like kind of becoming more mature at the end, I feel like that lines up a lot better with the translation of like be yourself, like be confident in who you are. Because like yeah, like boyfriend stuff doesn't matter if she's confident in who she is. Whereas like finding her place, like I I I guess you could have internal confidence from that, but it doesn't quite seem as obvious or as like cleanly structured if you look at it that way so like i'm honestly kind of wondering like how do you view her success at the end if we're looking at looking at it from like the intended japanese dialogue <laughs> you know like so she found her true place where is that just like appreciating what she had all along and that's enough or like not wanting to go on a distant journey like what she really needed was at home. Like, I don't know. Like, it really, to me, it makes a lot more sense with her just being like, I, I don't need these other things to be happy. Like, I'm a cool person and I've realized that about myself and I can make whatever life I want. And I have the power within me to do that. But if that was not the intended theme initially, then I'm a little, like, lost, honestly. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I think uh, I think all that's really interesting. I, I think that what you're describing is basically in line with what, how I was interpreting it too, watching the Japanese oh, yeah? version. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I thought at the end she's like she was discovering things about herself. It's not necessarily. I didn't. I wasn't. There's there's not a lot to grasp onto, but I I wasn't <laughs> yeah. uh, interpreting as like finding her place as much as like uh, finding growing and. Uh, finding out things about herself and uh, that she's what she's capable of um that 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 kind of sort of vague theme uh, okay um, personal growth yeah so so still like related to her like individually then just like not yeah what you were describing sounded right to me in a in a in a sense yeah maybe it's like finding the place she needs like for her like specific life journey then Versus just, like, being in the right society. Which is what I initially was like, oh, what does that mean? Like, why can't she be in the cat society? But again, maybe the cat society is a cult. I did think it was a little weird that unless you live at the palace, you live in a creepy little hovel in a field. Like, yeah, it that looks kind like of a sucks. hobbit. It looks like the Shire. Yeah, it's like either you have a tiny, like, one-room house or you are in a castle and there's no one between for the citizens. And I think that's a little strange. I, 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 I think that the cats need to eat the rich, obviously. <laughs> yes! No more yeah, cats thrown out of windows. We're not dancing hard. Muta needs to literally. Oh, also, they're thrown out of windows. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, thrown out of windows like the Emperor's New Groove. I loved it. That's pretty funny. This cat with like an executioner's hood comes in. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh my, my God. God. But then he just throws him out the window. I was like, I thought he was going to chop his head off. But no, he just oh. throw, but it's also bad when he it's, throws him out the window. I love the wide shots of them throwing the cats out the I windows. Know. It's so funny. Just hear them screaming for too long as they slowly fall. I, I guess it's a uh, not violent thing because the cats land on their feet, so they're fine. Um, they have I those guess. lives stored up. So. <laughs> well, you could have you could have killed them anyway if they had just the lives stored up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I think this. No, the setting is very dark and inequality. That's the the themes uh, the theme we were writing before in that quote. It's, I think it's reading a lot into it, but that's definitely not portrayed as a good place with a good system of government and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, Michelle, anything else? Uh, uh, I I kind of like I didn't ship Mutsa and the Crow, but you know who I do ship? 
um, the cat king and his like stoogy guy. Because you remember when he said like, "I think I'm gonna retire," and then that guy was like, "I think I'll do that also." Yeah. Maybe they're gonna retire together in the kink and chill out and stop being so thirsty for teens. Like Jesus, that could be a really good decision he's making in his life. So. Maybe that was his own life journey, too. He got it also. We didn't expect it, but there it is. He can finally calm down. Yeah, what a grand romantic uh, story of the Cat King and the Tory. Yeah, it, weird, weirdly, I mean, he's not, like, trying to marry uh, Haru himself, but he's, like, very, like, interested in forcing her to to enter his king, the king kingly domain. I don't know. Wait, does he, uh, does he not say that he wants to marry her in the Japanese version? Because he does straight up say that in the dub. Really? He's, yeah, uh, yeah. no, he's, he's always saying you need to marry Prince Lin. When he, so when she tells him off, the, the, the reason for that in the dub was like, so he's like, oh, I didn't know you had a bride already picked out, like, so, and he's like, oh, Haru, I got a great idea. Why are you marrying me instead? Oh. And then she goes off on him and she's like, well, I, I'd never marry you. You suck. Like, don't even. And that's when Muda's okay. like, oh, yeah, I love like a, a, a okay, spirit. Okay, one time at the end. Yeah. yeah. What did they say in pro- Japanese? Uh, <laughs> pro- I don't remember. That's probably right. I don't remember at all. That's probably what happened. <laughs> he was in her the whole time. It's like part of what's messed up about the cat king, I guess. Okay. So he does eventually say it. Yeah. I mean, regardless, he's uh, creepy and violent and uh, <laughs> <not laughs> kind of crazy. I mean. <laughs> In a fun way, for yeah, in the a most fun part. way. Yeah, uh, Maddie, is there anything else you want to talk about with cow returns? I, I've been trying to like. I know there's more, but I've been trying to like organize my thoughts so I can think of like one thing I really want to talk about, okay. and I really don't know. All I can think of <laughs> off the top of my head right this second is that Buddha almost did eat the rich, literally. He ate all their food at least. That's halfway there. No, but he threatened to eat yeah. their castle. Wait, did he? Oh my god, Moon is the best! Go, did you forget Moon. it? That was like the end of the movie! I he threatens to eat the whole castle. How is he gonna do that? I don't know, but they believed him! And they were scared of him! <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think that's so powerful. Like, so powerful. Muda was there to eat the rich before it was popular. It was popular, yeah. yeah. All the way back in 2002, he is was ready. Because he's the thief at that, but is, he the, is that his trademark? Because he eats stuff? Yes! Yes! Yeah, because there's a picture of him on the inside of the tower, and it's him eating, like, all these, you see all these fish bones, because he ate all their fish before. Mm, okay, so he's a notorious thief. He steals stuff and eats it. I okay. I love him. Only steals food. That's why I love Muda. Like, it's very on brand. He found a thing he likes, and he stuck to it. I legitimately it think that Muda's my favorite character, and I did not think that when we started this, but Muda's... very fun. Muda is, like... Every scene he was in, I got more and more excited. Like I was like, "Yeah, I like you more and more every time you talk." I think, that, yeah, he's, he's he grows on you. This character, I think, yeah. I, I also just love his introduction, where she literally sits on him. Oh right, on the chair, yeah. and he gets so upset when he she think when he thinks she's calling him a cow. Like, why'd yeah. you say it like that? Muta. Why'd you say Muta? <laughs> or something it's like so funny like the poor He's guy so would also okay yeah that's like Buta is his uh nickname or something in japanese but yeah that, that probably translates with the the sure of him in a coma so but also there's our voyage it's floating jelly there's our boy, <laughs> so memeable honestly oh my yeah God. where's the muta memes uh, yeah honestly yeah. yeah where are they michelle anything else <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> what? 
movie, it's it's very light and fluffy and fun, but it's really good at being fun. And sometimes you just really want something fun. It feels like the exact opposite of like Princess Mononoke to me, and I kind of love that about it. Yeah, it's a weird one to come off of from Mononoke and Spirited Away recently. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's uh, a production overlaps with Spirited Away. Like, yeah, okay, Ghibli's making. <laughs> The greatest movie of all time, and also this really fun, short, stupid movie, Cat Wait, Returns. Wait, this is at the same the... time? At least it's not as crazy as Totoro and, like, <laughs> and Fire Fire. Those are two iconic classic depressing. movies. Though, you know? Yeah, um, like, at least, like, that's crazy from, like, how did they do this? But it's not crazy from, like, like, this is crazy because it's, like, why were these the two things? Why yeah. were these I mean, the I two think things? they have, like, different crews working. I don't know if there's a yeah, lot of overlap in the but people, like, but... <gasps> there's a Muda plush doll oh my god I am not surprised at all it looks kind of like exactly like a Totoro with, with different oh. colors though <laughs> but he's, but that's what he is though a lot he's of the Ghibli merchants look uh, like a Totoro I love him. I love him so much. Look at his push. Ah! Wait, I, you kind of touched on it, Michelle, but I love when she sits on him. She just, he just gives her a glare. I know! Which is like, Maddie, you'd love him in the original movie because that's all he does. He's just oh like a fat, God. sassy, glaring cat the whole time. And he doesn't talk, but he expresses so much through his glare. Oh, I want to see this now because it's that so glare good. of him sitting in the chair is like, I was just like, Haru. He wants you to apologize. That's yeah, very you sad on him. Like, yeah. come on, girl. Like, you can tell just from his look at her. This this Muda plush is they just made the Totoro a different color. Yeah, I it's know, the same thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want it, though. I want it way more than I've ever wanted it's, a it's still, it, Considering it just as a Totoro, it looks decent. A yeah. Totoro. It's, it's just like a Snoke. It's round and glaring. <laughs> I love it. Michelle, is this like a Snoke now? Everything no, don't say that. Yeah, don't say that. It's, it's a Snoke. Snoke number 57. Snow- Totoro is the original creature. It's the from Snoke. Yeah. Okay. Yes. No, p- porg. Okay. Porgs are... This looks nope. like a Porg too, honestly. Nope. The, uh, the oh, like, are you trying to save like us making an in-joke in the middle I'm, of the at, You're right. Yeah. I'm trying to make it make sense. Okay. That's yeah, there's no do. way to make it's it make sense. a really good Muda glaring. I just posted in the chat. Look at him. He's just a big fan. We're looking at fan art of Muda. Okay, Aww, let's. That's so cute. Let's. Uh, oh, wow, that conclude. is just Totoro. That's so. <laughs> conclude Totoro. our Cat Returns discussion. Let us know what you thought of this movie. And you can find all the ways to contact us at overlyanimated.com. Um, let, let us know. Find, link all the Muda fan art you find so Michelle can see it. Thank you. And. Uh, <laughs> Consider supporting us via Patreon, patreon.com slash overly animated. Thanks to our current patrons, especially our patron of podcast, Zierf. And thanks as well to our patron executive producers, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Beatrice, Hugh, Michael, Needle, and Phonician. Um, post, uh, post Spirited Away era, but we have another Miyazaki movie pretty quickly here in Howl's Moving Castle. Next up, that's going to be an interesting one to revisit for me. Ma'am. We'll have uh, that discussion up next week. Probably another big shift from Cat Returns, but I was f- I'm glad we had this fun reprise from these Miyazaki fantasy movies <laughs> here. Um, so uh, we'll see you next time for Alice Moving Castle. Uh, uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.